Hi everybody, my name's Nick Beard. I'm the audiovisual director here at Peninsula Covenant Church, or PCC. Welcome to our message podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Pretty simple, right? We can clap for that. When did we complicate it? When did we make it so complicated? Uh, Do you know that this year it's projected that Americans will spend $720 billion consuming Christmas? $720 billion. Forbes reported last December that the holiday season brought so much financial pressure that a third of Americans who were polled said they would rather skip Christmas altogether then go through the financial pressure. CNBC reported that 24% of millennials, I don't want to ask, you millennials are probably different than these 24%, and 16% of Gen Xers are still paying off the credit debt this year from last year's Christmas. When did we get it all complicated? All that stuff, that consumerism that just bombards us every Christmas season. Uh, The Black Friday, Um, The Cyber Monday, the Small Business Saturday that we can get consumed with. All that, get the right tree, get the right trappings, put out the right food. It's what I call the sheep stuff of Christmas. You know, sheep are stupid animals and they just follow each other. And I feel like as a culture, especially as followers of Christ, we live in that tension and we we have to choose. Are we going to follow the culture or where do we land in this? And how do I express and celebrate Christmas? I love Christmas. I love getting gifts. Give me any gift you want for Christmas, please. I love it. But how do we not just blindly, like sheep, follow our culture? I read a true story off the BBC in honor of Ian Pitter's arrival, finally. Um, a true story. In Turkey, there were in the mountains of Turkey, some shepherds watching over sheep, and a sheep wandered off a 50-foot cliff and fell to its death. There was 1,100 sheep, and 400 sheep died. They lost uh, the equivalent of $74,000 in their currency. And these were poor shepherds. This was their whole livelihood because 400 died off that cliff. And then the BBC reported, it's not just that 400 went off the cliff. The first 400 landed and died and they provided a cushion. All 1,100 went off the cliff, but the rest bounced off the sheep and lived. <laughs> I know that's just like us. We try to just do, 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 and be, be, be almost blindly or mindlessly going through the motions. I'm there. I'm pulling out the boxes. We have our tree up, and I'm there. I'm not, don't hear what I'm not saying, but I just want to ask, 
for $720 billion, will culture be upgraded? Will relationships be strengthened from $720 billion American dollars spent? More importantly, will the soul feel its worth because of $720 billion spent? It's the sheep stuff that we just blindly engage in. And that was the whole point of Linus with Charlie Brown. He was engaged in the sheep stuff of Christmas. And he finally screams out before that scene. You remember this. We've seen this how many times? Will someone please tell me what Christmas is all about? And then Linus shows up. What many people don't know is that uh, that original Charlie Brown Christmas was so simple that the network almost didn't air it. Do you know that? Schultz pitched the idea and he got a sponsor. And this was what saved Christmas, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. Coca-Cola sponsored it. And when he showed the run to the CBS executives, and this probably would have happened with ABC, NBC, whatever, probably not ESPN, but the others, it would have, <laughs> just kidding. Um, uh, they said it's way too simple. The, the animation's too crude. He insisted on using children to, to voice and pay children to voice the children's voices. All those songs were recorded in a church in Roner Park. Um, and then when Linus read Luke 2, the network executives were like, no way. That's not going on the airways back in 1965. But Coca-Cola said, yes way. And so it aired, and 15 million Americans tuned in. It came in second that week in the national ratings. Second only to, can anyone guess what the number one TV show in 65 was? I don't want to call on anybody. Uh, Bonanza, Bonanza. <laughs> and then when the Emmys came around, guess what won best animated TV show in 1965? Charlie Brown Christmas. Maybe we want it simple after all. It's still pulling in millions of people, just aired, right? This year, about six months ago as a staff, we thought through and kind of foresaw the future and thought, gosh, we just need to keep it simple. What if we come back to what really matters at Christmas as a church and learn from the original people that experienced Christmas for the first time. We're going to hear shepherds today, and next week we'll talk with Mary or learn about Mary, and then Carlos will be in the next week to talk about Joseph, and then we'll talk about Jesus, because he's the reason for the season, right? And then wise men, and because here's what we believe, everyone. Look right here. Christmas can still change the world. I really believe that. Uh, and I think at least one of us does too, right? I know you believe that as well. So open to Luke 2. Let's dive in. Okay, let's take the plane off. And Luke chapter 2, uh, turn your Bibles, or if you, don't have, if you have it on your phone, open your app, uh, version to Luke chapter 2. Uh, if you're not a regular to church, first of all, thank you for being here. Let me tell you what Luke is. The Bible isn't a book. It's a series of books. Luke is a biography written about Jesus. Uh, Luke was commissioned in the first century in the Roman Empire. Uh, even autobiographies were commissioned, and um, people would write biographies about politicians, about kings, about people in power, kind of as a legacy piece. And the biographies usually contained all the good stories and left out all the bad stories. Uh, but Luke was a doctor, and he was commissioned to write an accurate account of Jesus. So in Luke's biography, we get the good, the bad, the ugly uh, in the crucifixion, the gore about Jesus, okay? It's not how a typical biography in the first century was written. And, and so he, um, he brings us into a time 2,000 years ago in the Middle East when there was, um, we're in the Roman Empire now at its, almost at its height, and we're on the frontier of the Roman Empire, and it's, it's very hard living. 
Uh, there's a local dictator that's power hungry named Herod. He's a narcissistic ruler. And he, he uh, not only that, there's high taxes and uh, there's a lot of social pressure on the people of God to conform, a lot like what we feel. Uh, but the people of God had no rights. And here's the hard part, the religious people, the Jews of the day, for 400 years they were crying out because they were oppressed. And you know what God said for 400 years? Nothing. They knew their history. He'd sent prophets before, spokesmen. He even spoke through a donkey. And they're like, anything, just give us a word. And there's nothing for 400 years. Uh, some of you feel that right now. God is just silent. And then for 40 years, it's like, it's like the Roman Empire took, Rome, uh, took the Jews by their throat and were strangling them. It was really hard to be a person of faith at that point. And it's into this that the greatest news, the, if you're taking notes, a book called Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. He waited for the perfect time. And when things were darkest, when things were bleakest, that would be the perfect time. And that's where we pick up the story. Not only the perfect time in humanity, but he speaks it first to the most unqualified people on the planet to hear the good news, let alone to spread the good news to the point where people would believe them. Verse eight, are you there? Luke chapter two, verse eight. Over there, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Let's just stop there. Many of you know this, but I want us to remember this as if we're hearing it for the first time. Shepherds, you know, being a shepherd, that's not the occupation you aspire towards. It's what you end up with. No one went to college to be a shepherd. No mother, Jewish mother, just raised her little baby boy, said, oh, I hope you become a shepherd someday. Shepherds had no social rights. They weren't allowed in the city gates uh, during daylight. Shepherds had no religious rights. Even though many of them were Jewish, they weren't allowed in synagogue, surely not in temple in Jerusalem. They couldn't practice their faith. They were unclean. They were uncanny. They had poor manners. They smelled. Everyone smelled in that day, but they just were terrible socially on those social rung. They were considered terrible people. And these are the people with zero credibility in society. Why would God start there? I've been thinking about this, and uh, I want to share an illustration. I'm going to try and thread a needle here. And I'm, I have to ask you to, sus you know, especially if you're a person of faith, suspend all political ideology for a minute. Are we mature enough to do that? Yes. And, and hold to a kingdom ideology? I thought about if God wasn't silent for 400 years, but 2,400 years, and up in heaven, the fullness of time comes in 2018, and God says, okay, how do I announce this news? And there's an angelic committee, and they're going, oh, I know, I know. Uh, Saturday morning game day. Millions of people watch ESPN. Hijack the airwaves, God. You'll get it out instantly. People believe those people. No, no, no. Okay, let's go through L.A. Let's go through New York. It's the financial capital of the world. No, no, no. And all of a sudden, God goes, I got a better idea. Are we suspending all political ideology? South of the border in Tijuana is a group of people that have marched for 8,000 miles. And according to them, their country of origin is unsafe to be in, according to them. I don't know, as a Gary, if that's true or not, but according to them. And their country of occupation doesn't want them. 
and their country of destination doesn't want them. I'm going to announce it to them and let them spread the good news. Do you think any angels would go, what? Do you see how scandalous and incredible, like uncredible, not incredible, but uncredible that is? Who would believe the migrant caravan with the best message ever for all humanity? This, my friends, is the scandal of the first Christmas. And we try to linus it and make it all neat and put it on our little, you know, little blanket and our little manger scenes where it smells nice and everything's cool. Put on our air diffuser that smells all nice. There was nothing nice about that first Christmas. It was painful, noisy, stinky, hard. And shepherds break through the party and break through every social political norm in their culture and say, we've got good news uh, that we have to tell you and you have to believe us. This is a case where the medium is not the message. The message has power, not the medium. And that gives me hope because at the end of this service, Brian already talked about it. We're gonna ask you to share this good news. We're gonna ask you to invite people to Christmas Eve and most of you push back, I do anyway, and go, gosh, who would believe me? Or gosh, do you know what a sinner I am? Listen, when it comes to the gospel, the medium is not the message. The message is the message. A savior's been born. God wants to use you and bring you into that. So this is the scandal. Amen. Thank you, Crispin. This is the scandal of Christmas. An angel appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were, what? Terrified. Literally, they feared a great fear. There's a word in the original language for fear. It's called phobos. Uh, it's where we get phobia from. And what Luke did, Luke was, was precise. He's a doctor after all. He put, uh, it's the only time he did this in his gospel. He put phobos, repeated himself. Phobos, phobos. They feared a great fear, literally. I love how Linus says it. They were sore afraid. That's the King James Version. You know why I love that? Because I think that's where we are as a culture. I think we're sore from our cultural fear and the cultural tension. We're just sore. I can prove it to you scientifically. The American Psychiatric Association has identified a brand new disorder. This has only been out for two years. They identified it as a bona fide psychological disorder. This isn't just like feeling blue. You wanna know what it's called? It's called headline stress disorder. And they said, something is happening to the American culture and to people we're seeing more and more, and it's not just feeling blue or depressed. They are addicted to their screens and addicted to their news feed, and news feeds are getting worse and worse to draw them through, to click through, and it's having a psychological impact on them. We're sore afraid. We're pained with bad news, and it keeps bombarding us. They feared a great fear. Why the fear? Gary, if this is such good news, why are they terrified? What is being brought out in that? And I really need you to lean in for the next few minutes uh, throughout the message, but lean in in certain parts. We can oscillate together, come close, go farther. I know that's how our mind works. I want you to lean in for the next few minutes. And let me explain the terror here. Because there's a meta-narrative throughout Scripture that's being on display here. Uh, Because what's going on here is this. Scripture teaches that as men and women, and we're all busted, right? Everyone in this room is busted. Here's the meta-narrative of Scripture. It uses a metaphor for sin called darkness, and it says we love the darkness. 
We love being in control. We love being the master of our own destiny. We all want life our way. And we work hard to control life our way. I do. And we don't want anyone to tell us what to do. How dare you claim authority over my life? How dare you have claimed that I should act a certain way? How dare you? I, 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 so I, you know I drive around on Sunday mornings. You know, and there's a speed limit sign, 25 miles an hour. How dare the city of Rivet City say, I should, do you know how many horsepower my car has? It was made for speed. Right? Now, it's one thing to say that in culture, but it's another thing to say that towards God, and we're all there. How dare you claim authority on how I should relate to people? Who do you think you are? Your word, you really expect me to obey that and be my authority? I mean, I'll do it where it's easy, but when rubber meets the road, (laughs) my three-pound brain knows way better than that ancient text. I'm doing it my way. That's called darkness. I'm going to take us to a script, uh, Christmas passage uh, you probably have never heard spoken about and correlated to Christmas. You're in Luke, turn right, one book, to John. Matthew, Mark, Luke. John was another biographer. John, chapter 3. Most of us know John 3.16. Can anyone recite that while people are turning? John 3.16. Mary, awesome. Yeah, you got it. John 3.16. Keep going three verses, though, and it tells why he had to give his son. It's not even going to be on the screen, everybody. That's what we do here, a little razzle-dazzle to keep you on your toes. you got to listen and look in your Bibles. John 3, verse 19 says this. Light has come into the world. That's Christmas, right? But people love the darkness. In my Bible, I crossed out people. I put Gary. I love the darkness, I, I mean, no, 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 don't get me wrong. I love the light. I love Jesus. But when push comes to shove and, and Jesus' authority pushes up against something I want to do, there's an initial pushback. I love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come to the light. Hold on to that hates the light. That will come into play toward the end of the Luke 2 passage. They won't come into the light. Why? For, what's the next word if you're reading your Bibles? Fear. For fear. That is why they were terrified. In the middle of darkness, light showed up. It's a whole metaphor of of God showing up to erase the darkness and like cockroaches, when someone turns on the light, we want to stay in the darkness and we scamper to keep it going our way. But here's the issue. Come on, think with me. Our way isn't working. You know that. It's just getting worse. And so they're terrified. Turn back to Luke 2. And the angel says to them what every angel has to say when he shows up in the Christmas story. You'll hear it this week. You'll hear it next week. You'll hear it the third week. Every time the angel says, wait, wait, don't be afraid. In other words, whatever my presence brought to mind, erase all that. Whatever you're correlating is going on up in heaven around your dark, loving behavior. And now heaven has shown up Suspend that. This isn't bad news. This is actually good news. 
And the angel said, I bring good news that will cause what? Great joy. This is all the answers are on the screen, everybody. I bring good news that will cause what? And it's for who? Turn to someone and say all. Now, if I was a rock star pastor uh, and had tweets and all that, I would tweet this next line out if I was a rock star pastor. If the good news isn't good for all, it's not good news at all. There goes Ian, the rock star pastor, he's on it. (laughs) Think about that. This is disturbing. This is a litmus test of our gospel. If it's not good news for all, it's not good news at all. Whatever this news is, it's gotta be so good that every gender, that every ethnicity, that every socioeconomic class, that everybody in the world for all time, whoever lives has to understand it's good news, that they qualify for good news. And and here's the thing I was thinking about. (laughs) We can't even agree on good news as a service. Some of you think that that opening illustration about the shepherds and the migrant caravan, you've already got your email to me. (laughs) Because that wasn't good news. Even though I had to put all the prelude up to that, right? I'll I'll prove it to you. Yesterday, big game, Stanford won. That's good news. (laughs) Not for all. I can go on and on and on. Our city is pained right now over elections and certain council people getting on board. It's not good news for all. Schools have been closed. We've had walkouts. Uh, my daughter's at a school called Clifford, a grammar school, and, and it, it's hushed. But uh, I'll tell you what, the, the final say on what schools close, uh, everyone, most people at Clifford will go, that, that's, that's actually good news. We still get to keep our school. But you go to Fair Oaks or Taft or Orion, Hawes, where I just came from, where our church is, it's, I mean, we had a walkout at these schools. It's not good news. We can't even agree as a city of 90,000 people what is good news. This is how scandalous and amazing the gospel is. It's good news for 7 billion people, and everybody qualifies. Amen. But see, we've forgotten that. And that's why the sheep stuff kicks in. And we think the good news of Christmas is, do I get the right tree or do I get the discount? Or wow, the, the deal I got on that gift. That's okay, that's, that's, I'll give you, that's good news. But it's not the good news of Christmas. It's not simply Christmas. It's stuff that complicates it and we, we get involved in that sheep stuff. So there we go. So the angel says this, said to them, I bring good news for all people. In other words, God has decided to do something. It has absolutely nothing to do with anyone's behavior. That's the only way it can be good news for all. This has nothing to do with our behavior. He's calling in answer to Katie's question, what was I doing to pass the time in middle school? I was in the roller rink. (laughs) The old school roller rink with four roller, like, wheels on each thing. My parents let me go on Christmas Eve in middle school and God's calling an all skate. So come back with me to December 24th, 1976, San Rafael, California. I'm wearing corduroy bell-bottom pants. 
I have a polyester print shirt with collars that go over my shoulders. (laughs) And it's buttoned down on my hairless chest down to here. And I just can't believe that my parents let me go roller skating on Christmas Eve. And the music starts playing, and I wrote down the song, the Chicago, If You Leave Me Now, comes on. And the DJ says, okay, it's couple skate time. And he was a very progressive DJ. Girls, you can ask the guys. Guys, you can ask the girls. And here's little Gary on outside the rink, totally scared, afraid to ask anyone to skate, hoping someone asks me to skate, and no one does. I know, thank you. (laughs) And I'm just cringing, I wanna disappear. And all of a sudden, the music changes in about three minutes and the Bee Gees song comes on. You could be dancing. And the the DJ says, it's an all skate everyone. And everyone get like, losers like me, get out there as fast as possible so that they think I was in the couple skate the whole time. That's what I did in middle school to pass my time. That's what God did on Christmas Eve to all humanity. He called an all skate. He said, you all qualify. This isn't about how you treat one another. This is about how I view you and how I'm treating you. Ollie, ollie, oxen free. You can come out of hiding. You're all safe. Have we moved on from how simple that message is? See, God's decided to do something saying because, uh, not because of you, but in spite of you. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Messiah for the Jewish listeners. He is the long-awaited Messiah, the Lord. And I define the word savior here. I've sent you a rescuer because in you loving the darkness, you haven't just wandered a little bit off center. You're in the danger zone and you need a rescuer. You don't need a life coach. You don't need a a spiritual consultant. You need to be rescued. So that's what I've sent. In other words, the angel says, I'm making an announcement, an offer really, and it has nothing to do with trading between you and God. It has nothing to do with bartering between you and me. It has nothing to do with earning or negotiating. It actually has nothing to do with your religious behavior either. This rescue is all on me, God says. That's why the good news is for everybody. Because it's for anybody who will slow down and listen. Everybody qualifies for the good news. That salvation rescue is available through Jesus Christ. That's the good news. Verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appear with the angel, praising God and saying, now, here's where we oscillate. Can you lean in for the next couple minutes here? This is really important. Because most of you, if you're a regular churchgoer, you can recite verse 14 by memory. But I just want us to hold and look at it simply, Okay. All of heaven, not all, but the angelic host moves their locations. The first multi-site in the Bible. They move the worship service from the throne room of heaven, what they've been singing from eternity past, and they're still singing it. And they say, let's go to earth and let's have our worship service there. And they say this. Let's say it together, as a matter of fact. Verse 14, the quotation started with glory. Are you ready? Here we go. Glory to God in the highest heaven 
and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When that settles into your heart, when you internalize that, you begin to understand this is the ultimate win-win and the gospel isn't the gospel if God doesn't get all the credit and we get all the peace. It's a win-win. Glory to God in the highest. In other words, God gets all the credit for this. But humans, you get in on something too. You get the peace, at which point you should push back and go, wait a second, wait a second. That was 2,000 years ago. It doesn't seem like the earth has gotten more peaceful since Jesus has arrived. What happened to that headline stress disorder you told us about? That wasn't around 2,000 years ago. We're not getting more peaceful. No, 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 no. You're reading it wrong. God never promised blanket peace on earth. Hallmark did. Look at the Bible. This is the part where the authority comes in. Are you willing to surrender to someone else's authority? Look what it says. And on earth, peace doesn't end there. We want it to end there because we want it to be about us. No, no, no. It's about God. On earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. In other words, God is saying the Savior's coming, and he, the word peace, means to remove enmity. To end warfare. Literally, that's what the word means. To remove enmity, to remove warfare. The Bible says when we are in darkness, because we love the darkness, there is enmity. There's a consequence. There's an enmity between us and God. And I would propose to you, that's why there's no peace. We're at war with God. We want life our way. And the trickle effect of that is we get at war with each other. We don't like each other based on what you say or what you do or how you act. So there can be no peace with each other apart from peace with God. And the good news of the gospel is this. The Messiah came to remove the enmity between you and God. And when you're at peace with God, he transforms you into a, hold your breath, peacemaker with others. So that you have a whole new vantage point. Me and God are good. You know what that means? God and I never have a bad day because of Jesus Christ. Because that good news is that good. I came to Jesus this morning. I wake up really early on Sunday mornings and, and I confessed a sin I probably have confessed a hundred times in my lifetime, at least. Same sin. And I don't say that like I'm proud of that. But last night I went to an all-you-can-eat crab feed. And I said, I was a glutton last night. I know I should have stopped, but the crab kept coming. <laughs> and here's the sad thing. I, can we have a, well, a counseling appointment right now? Like, like seriously, like, like what that does, that lust for crab plays over into other fleshly appetites. And that's why gluttony, it's like enough is enough, right? I'm eating myself to death when half the world's starving themselves to death. Something's wrong with this. So I went to the Lord, I'm like, I'm so sorry. You know what God didn't say because of Jesus come to earth and me taking that gift and having forgiveness with him? God didn't say, you know, we've talked about this before. You promised you'd change. You disgust me. God didn't say, stop, stop the words. Your words are meaningless. God didn't say, if you don't clean up your act, I am gonna shrink your church to two people. Yeah, none of that, there was nothing like that. Because all the enmity between me and God was put on the cross of Jesus Christ 
So that now Romans chapter eight, verse one says, me and God, we live with this no condemnation status. I never get condemned by God, ever. And I can come to him and he says, Jeej, I know you ate like a pig last night and you'll suffer and I am the consequences of that. (laughs) Now will you trust me my way? Let's start anew and afresh. And then as I experience peace with God, it makes me want to be a peacemaker. As a church, it makes us want to run to schools that are closing and show up and go, we don't even know what to say. For the people of God, all of us show up where there's pain. And so we're here, we're standing with you. And we want to run to paradise like we do on Christmas Eve. 100% of our offering on Christmas Eve is going to fire victims in paradise. Because what they need right now are not people. We'll get there with mission trips and what have you. They don't need clothes. They've been inundated with clothes. They have no homes. They just need gift cards. And so on Christmas Eve, we'll take an offering of the whole city that shows up and show up there and say, we, you know, we know a gift card doesn't take away all you've lost, but right now it's what we're doing. We're showing up through the church because that's what the people of God do, to make peace, to make peace. Glory to God. Only God could think this up. Oh, my goodness. Does this drop your, draw, uh, drop your jaw? Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, we get to experience peace with him. But as long as we complicate Christmas and make it about us, God doesn't get glorified for that. And peace doesn't happen on earth. The soul doesn't feel its worth. Okay, I got to land this. So what do we do with this? We do what the shepherds did. We learn from their story and we let it affect our life story. Verse 15, when the angels left and went to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, probably what you and I say after our, we leave a worship service. Well, how was worship to you? No, that was, actually the music was a little loud with those angels. Do you believe how bright those lights were? Can you imagine? Who does Gabriel think he is wearing what he wore? They were so overwhelmed, just let this sit in. They said two words. It's this simple. Actually, in the Greek, it's four words. Hey, ho, let's go. (laughs) No. That's the Bible according to Brian. (laughs) There's the two words. Now, just think about that. They broke through every social barrier every cultural barrier, every religious barrier. It didn't matter anymore. God had entrusted them with the best news for all people. God believed in them that much because if the good news was good for shepherds, it's good for anybody, including you. And they said, let's go. And that's why you have an invite in your hand. And that's why you have a Kennedy Christmas invite and a Haas Christmas invite. That's why we want you to go and serve uh, at one Christmas Eve service and attend another. Um, do you know tomorrow, starting tomorrow, uh, I think it's either 15 or 30 seconds, we have commercials running in all 12 Revit City theaters on every screen before every movie about Christmas Eve. Because uh, we just think it's that good. Yeah, we can clap for that. But I've learned, and I've just learned, everybody's, everybody's invite is no one's invite. That's why you have cards to leverage a relationship and to say, you know what, I I think you really appreciate 
coming. I'm just taking a stack of 10 cards going through my day saying, God, where do you want me to go? Like, I have my agenda. I've got to do my things. But you just, you just tap me, and I'll just invite, and I'll leave the results up to you. Let's go. Has the good news sunk in? Is it that good to you? If it is, it'll overflow. It will. Jesus, thank you so much for Simply Christmas. Oh, there's, there's so much pain in this room. There's so much pain in our city. There's so much pain in our world. But as we get ready to come to a communion table, we can hold to the fact that in you, we're at peace. And in you, we have trust. So God, as the people of God, let us not complicate or buy into the sheep stuff of Christmas. Let's to keep it simple, to follow your Holy Spirit's promptings to make you the center of our lives and our celebration. And help us to really believe you came for us personally. You came for Mateo. You came for Brian. You came for Angie. You came for Ken and Suzanne. You came for Dave, for Sean. You came personally best news ever. News that you get glorified for and we can have peace with you. I love you for that. Help us to keep it simple. We pray in Christ's name. And everyone said, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We believe you're here for a reason and we would love to connect with you more. Our campuses are located in Redwood City, California. You can find us online at wearepcc.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for We Are PCC.